It's 8.47, and it's time for Up Close. Uh, and we're going to talk about immigration policy and xenophobia. There are two disturbing immigration-related news coming out of Korea and America. Here in Korea, there's a citizen's petition to the Blue House, c h o n g w a d e calling for revocation of refugee application permits for 500 Yemeni refugees. And believe it or not, this request had over 290,000 signatures. And over in America, over 2,000 immigrant families were separated ever since the so-called zero-tolerance policy was implemented this year, uh, this past April. Trump seems to be reversing this policy after he signed an executive order promising to keep families together Wednesday local time. But it's not clear when the order would be implemented. And there's already quite a bit of uproar as images of children held in cages in detention centers without, of course, any sort of entertainment are being made public. So how could such inhumane things be happening in both countries? So we're going to examine together with Mr. Zhang Huang, independent legal researcher with Lockwin LLC. Good morning. Good morning. So um, first from the U.S., uh, you can easily find many disturbing images of children held in cages and crying out for their family. So what is the rationale for this draconian policy? Well, it was really hard to sort of find a unified rationale because different government officials, including President Trump, kept saying different things. President Trump says, well, you know, it's the Democrats' fault. They didn't change the law, so yeah, we have to do this. And at some point, the Homeland Security Secretary Nielsen, she said, well, there is no such policy. And then she says, well, it's the law, so I have to do it. And then she said, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be deterrent. But on the other hand, you know, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions came on, said, comes into some news, uh, news uh, programs and says uh, it is supposed to be a deterrence against pe- people entering the United States uh, illegally. So I think we can safely say that, one, the administration really had no unified message to say to the public. There's really no, no coordination. And we can probably disregard all those re- re- you know, uh, explanations as spins. And probably this is, you know, part of the overarching trend. Trump administration uh, obsession, sort of obsession with immigration policy to just reduce immigration from Central and South America, period. Yes. And however, U.S. President Donald Trump actually did say the image uh, described on many different media outlets was kind of disturbing. It was sad. And also a former uh, first lady. Bush has actually condemned this policy because of, of course, the children crying out for their family. That was not a quite beautiful image. But uh, is this going to be politically costly for the Trump administration? Well, we'll see. I mean, as you mentioned in the intro, that he has just rescinded the policy uh, that happened about four to five hours ago. So it's literally a developing story. But the replacing order he has actually given is, is going to actually give him uh, new problems, actually. What, uh, well, one thing to sort of understand it to back up, if you remember, there was no family separation policy for, you know, for over a year during uh, Trump administration. It just happened beginning this April. So this is sort of, you know, a crisis made made by the uh, Trump administration by itself. And now what President Trump apparently wants to do, if you read the latest executive order, is to actually detain families together. So instead of, you know, separating parents who are supposed to be criminally prosecuted under the no no tolerance policy and the children who are supposed to be placed in a holding holding pattern until, you know, a suitable arrangement could be found. Now he actually wants to keep the families together under criminal detention. 
And there is actually a law against that, or at least a government consent decree uh, uh, from 1997 that actually goes against it. And, you know, the administration officials have already said that they are actually going to request a court in California to actually get a permission for this uh, executive order. But now we can, you know, expect a long legal struggle as, as aftermath of this new executive order. Mm-hmm. So one of the main reasons Mr. Trump uh, was pushing this policy is because of the security issue, I presume. And we discussed this yesterday on the show here in Korea. The Yemeni refugee issue is not stirring up nearly as much as controversy. And why do you think that? Well, first of all, the number involved is fairly small. It's you know, just over 500 Yemeni uh, 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 refugees seeking asylum, all, all confined to Jeju Island. And, you know, you know, in Korea, we've had some big news lately, you know, mm-hmm. the local elections and the, uh, the, the Trump-Kim summit and so forth. So I think relatively it has gotten a little, little less highlight as opposed to the United States where, you know, the government actually took an action. But something that you do have to realize that, the, you know, the petition being made to the Blue House now, I, the, the few minutes ago, I checked the Blue House website again. The number now stands at 320,000. As of this morning. So these are the people who actually feel that because of whatever danger they, they feel from these 500 Yemeni refugees, they, you know, people don't even want to give them a chance to apply for asylum. And that's actually fairly you know, so staggering. You, know, you, you, know, you, you might have some you know, concerns, but you know, that you maybe trust the process to actually you know, interview these people and you know, sort of give them a chance to explain themselves and you know, send them back if their you know, purpose is not really to seek asylum. But basically, the petition is not to just deprive them of that opportunity from the get-go. So that's mm-hmm. about quite disturbing and the number of the people involved. 320,000 people already signing up for the uh, petition. That's quite surprising. Yet, um, well, you kind of briefly covered on that. Why do you think some of the Koreans were so upset about this relatively small number of people, 500 Yemeni coming into Korea, uh, who are could be just um, asylum seekers? First of all, I think there might be such a lack of knowledge or just false news being spread around. Uh, in, in the fact that you know maybe they they might be fearing that the, the crimes might be committed by these people and so far none of them are, none of the Yemeni refugees seekers have been known to be associated with any, with any crime according to the Jeju Police uh, Department and people are worried that you know the precious government resources will be expended but actually you know, virtually no uh, the go- virtually no government handout is actually being handed out to these Yemeni refugees about uh, for for their get, get, get upkeep, as far as I know, all of them are actually paying for their own upkeep, and they're trying to actually find jobs. Since the the asylum process in Korea takes you know many months, and they you know they simply need to somehow make a living, so it's not really you know the, the the crime is not really happening. They're not really a burden on the government coffers or anything. So I think people just do, do need to realize what the facts are. But I think there is still that sort of nebulous xenophobia. Oh, 500 people from Muslim country. I think that does conjure up all kinds of dangerous images in some Koreans. So quickly, um, sir, do you uh, have any? Uh, suggestion for this xenophobia or quite possibly even lead to a sort of racism uh, in terms yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can put whatever label you, you like. You know, it could be xenophobia. You, could, you might be able to regard it as racism and so forth. 
that I, I, you know, some of the fears might be, you know, reasonably justified, but I think in many cases in the U.S. as well as in Korea, I think is these are just bigoted views that are not really supported by facts. But in terms of solution, I mean, you know, that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question that I don't really have answer for. There are some research that suggests that if you actually have a personal connection with people involved, then you know this level of xenophobia and racism go down. But I'm not really sure how you can really scale it up on a national level. Okay, so uh, that was Mr. Chong Hua, independent legal researcher with Lokwan LLC. Thank you so much for joining this morning. Thank you very much.